Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network is back. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and you across the network from Florence, Alabama, Muscle Shoals, Fox Sports Shoals, Huntsville, Fox Sports Knoxville, and across the podcast network, wherever you download your podcast, we say hello and good afternoon. Gentlemen, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Any day that I can sit here and broadcast this show with you fine gentlemen is a good day in my book. Paul, how are you? Hey now, I am well. Getting those last bullet points in there to send out the link for the few of you out there that don't have it yet. Have it now for me if you needed it. Welcome to everybody. You guys uh, have a big night after our dinner last night? Well, I had a big night of scoreboard watching. Your Orioles got it done beating the woeful Red Sox. That's uh, a huge hookup from you. Thank you. Yankees held on. And I am uh, in the fingernail-biting section of baseball season because I don't have a lot of faith in my team. But right now they're looking pretty good with the two-game lead on getting into the wild-card scenario. If you are in a playoff race in Major League Baseball in the AL and in September, at the end of September, the final week, you're losing to Baltimore. This would be like the Titans losing to the Jets and the Jags right now on a gift from the league schedule-wise. No matter who's playing and who's not, it, it would you be do like, not lose. It would be like losing to the Jets or Jags in December when really well, there's yeah, nothing to play yeah. for, but and them trying to lose for draft position. Yes. That, it's even worse than them losing to them right now. So losing there's to Baltimore, right. this is when Baltimore welcomes everyone, all comers. Just leave the stadium. Uh, good to go for next year. Don't leave the, the stadium in rubble and ashes. Don't burn down Baltimore. Uh, and go about your way. Collect your wins and move on. And Boston was doing the opposite. Well, it is a beautiful thing about baseball in that uh, those football games, uh, I mean, I guess it, it does happen sometimes, but most of the time uh, the Jags in line for the first round pick are going to lose th- that game. But here in, in baseball, the dailiness that, that Chad and I get into, you haven't, uh, since you've become an Orioles fan, been in a pennant <laughs> That race. dailiness ends sometimes around mid-May. Right. For, since the no, Orioles it's purchased still, me. It's, it's still daily, yes. but it's a daily loss most of the time. But in baseball, it's still completely conceivable that the Red Sox, though they're struggling, get the team you would want when you need to win three in a row. You draw the Orioles, and you go out and – you could completely lose that game, which is just infuriating to Red Sox fans, which is heaven for me. There's something about a pennant race late in the season like this. Braves are playing my Braves, playing the Phillies. They went into last night's game, up two and a half games. Spoiler alert, if you recorded this and a day later you're trying to watch it. Magic number's three now. Three and a half game lead now after the Braves won two to one last night. But when you watch those games and you have those pressure-packed moments – which basically is anytime Will Smith pitches for the Braves becomes a pre- pressure-packed moment, you start to realize, oh, wait, it's late September, 
and they've been at this seemingly for Forever. a year. When you think about the start of the season, I, I think back to the Braves. Start of the season would get to 500 and then lose six straight. And I kept thinking, are they ever going to get over 500? Here we are in late September, and the entire season comes down to three games in Atlanta. That's what it comes down to. If the Braves win two out of three, it's pretty much over, and they're going to win the division. If they win one of these next two, they are in great shape where they're going to win this division. And I'm watching that, and there's something about that feeling as a fan that brings that pressure up and up and up when you start to think about, oh, this isn't just another baseball game. This is the end of the season, and everything they've done from spring training on has led to this. And if you're going to have fun and you're going to have postseason baseball, you have to take care of business in these games. It's exhilarating, and I love that. Now, look, I love it more midweek when there's not football to watch. Yeah. I'll be completely honest. If this happens on a Saturday afternoon, I'm watching Sunday, college football. If it comes down to Sunday. On a Sunday, I'm watching the NFL. The NFL. I'm not watching my team. But on a Tuesday night... I'm watching the Braves. It's funny, too, how the scheduling comes down. I mean, there's so many different directions it could go. But for the Yankees, uh, Toronto's one of the teams they're directly head-to-head for, for a wild card, and they're, they just played the first of three games. And then they finish against Tampa, who has just about sewed up, I think maybe even the number one seed, but they've, yeah, they've won so. the division. And so uh, does Tampa care if the Yankees are in or out? Or are they completely about resting their people and lining them up? You know, they've got the Yankees on a string there a, a little bit and, and a lot of influence over it. Also wondering if you guys watch. I, I meant to set my DVR to uh, record it, and I didn't. I hope I could still find it and that ESPN is replaying it. They did a 20th anniversary special last night um, regarding PTI, and that's probably where this Wilbon clip came from that's getting so much attention with him bashing Lane Kiffin, or that might have been just last night's edition of PTI. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was on uh, regular PTI. Yesterday's edition of PTI. Yeah, it was. It was yesterday. Have you seen the? Which the, is ridiculous. Have you seen the clip? Let, we'll get back to that in a second. There's a clip of maybe their all-time blunder, where they were talking about Darko, LeBron, and Carmelo at the top of that draft, and Wilbon says he really likes Carmelo. And Kornheiser says, you know, if they max out, I really like Darko. And so they're, they're being interviewed about this by an ESPN reporter. And the ESPN reporter is kind of recalling to Kornheiser the Darko thing. So first, Tony Reale just goes crazy. He's like, we have this forever. We can play Tony Kornheiser saying, all, both of them passing on LeBron and Tony Kornheiser picking Darko. And then they, they interview Kornheiser about it. And in typical Kornheiser style, he's going, I, I don't really recall, but I, I, maybe I might have missed on that one. Well, and I, you're just, you're totally going on. Did some Serbian basketball scout tell him that? And what does he know about Darko Milicic? That's just funny yeah, about right. that. Yeah, he did some reading and he's watched not, some clips. Who is it, Fran Fraschilla during the draft the night? Europe. He does all the European film study that they go to for every international player? I mean, he's just totally taking someone's word. He didn't right. follow. Well, just like you don't career. watch St. Vincent St. Mary's games of LeBron James in high school it's regularly. Also, you don't know. You, people knew Carmelo Anthony because he won a national title yeah. at Syracuse. Oh, they, they, and watched, you saw him play. they watched LeBron. LeBron was on ESPN. The most hyped guy weekly. ever. Yeah, but my point is not every game is on TV for LeBron, but you knew LeBron from well, on the being cover 13 Sports years Street. old. You knew who LeBron James was as a kid. It's being a bit contrarian it's just, there. It's just funny. 
I mean, and you'd do that show every day for 20 years. I mean, it'd be impossible not to find some terrible predictions. Of course. The prediction yeah. part of it's that, ridiculous. The, the show is but fantastic. But that show revolutionized what sports the TV interruption is. interruption is fantastic. Unfortunately, for the worst. I mean, pardon the interruption is fantastic, but every show that has imitated it since sucks. Well, most have. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and it's made by the two hosts who do their work and their research, except and were, with Will Bond on Kiffin. Uh, when his take yesterday, which is fine. You can have takes and, and disagree, and that's what makes the show really good. But, you know, Kiffin can – you can say there are certain things in Kiffin's background that make him a clown, but he's not a clown for college football. He is perfect for college football and perfect for the SEC. Now, five years from now, maybe sooner. Maybe he leaves Ole Miss high and dry, right? Maybe Miami comes calling because he is more Boca – <laughs> than he is Oxford. Or the NFL. That's been the joke there. Is he's more Florida Atlantic than Ole Miss. But he is college football more than he is the NFL. And he is made for college football. And he's perfect at, at Ole Miss. But the quarterback play with Corral, uh, with the recruitment of Manning, I mean, I, I'm here for it. And I'm, I, I admit, I, I am all on board with the You're lane train. You're on the train. lane train. Right I'm now it's very train. exciting. All but I do the understand there being he some. Would be, he would be among my top hires after Saban and Dabo. I do understand. I, right now it's very exciting. But I do understand there being some trepidation about long, long term. Well, let's go through the history. Let's go through every stop that Lane Kiffin's been on. When he left the Raiders, he did not leave the Raiders better off. And not on When good he terms. left Tennessee, he certainly did not leave Tennessee better off. Or on right. good After terms. one year or on good terms with the NCAA investigation, everything else. He gets fired at USC on a tarmac after a loss, I think, to Arizona State. I know he inherited a very tough situation at USC because of their NCAA problems also. He goes to Alabama, and he doesn't coach the, national, the playoff and national championship game, right? But I don't think you can say he left Bama worse off. No. And then he goes to FAU, and I don't think you can say he left FAU worse off for his time there. So I say all that to say, yes, the start of his career, he's 0 for 3. Everywhere he went was burned down in some way, whether because of him totally or because of outside influences. Outside influences with the Raiders was one Al Davis. Outside influences, that was just him, basically. That, that was pretty much him in Knoxville. He burned the place down. Uh, outside influences at USC was the mess he inherited and an NCAA problem that he could not overcome. Alabama got better with him as offensive coordinator, won national titles, goes to FAU. They get better with him. I think he left them in a better spot. I'd have to go to an FAU expert to find out for oh, sure no about how their roster was left. And I think if you're Ole Miss, the hope is, first off, that he's going to stay there for a long time. But if not, that he's not going to burn the joint down on his way out. So I understand where Wilbon's going with, oh, this guy's an embarrassment, he's a clown. If you take just the first three stops, first three major stops in his coaching resume and look at it, and I'm really looking at that fourth one as – He's really just saying, well, Nick Saban couldn't even keep him around for the playoff and had to elevate Steve Sarkeesian at the time to, to call those games an offensive coordinator. But, I mean, I think the guy's learned a lot along the way. He's matured, and he's a better head coach because of it, and the proof is in the pudding. Old Miss is really good. I love how Kiffin retweeted him and then replied to the video and said, Captain Obvious, how long did it take you to come up with the surprise pick that the number one team in the country who's favored at home is going to win on Saturday? <laughs> yeah. Well, he also, the first one was 
he gave like the why so angry yeah. and then I'll be praying I'll pray for, for you, you. <laughs> type thing. I mean, it was totally sar- sarcastic. Yes. He's saying that, yes. but that was, I feel like with Lane Kiffin and his use of Twitter, he could have been more clever even in the first one. And it's also funny because it's not a clean feed of the show. It's someone tweeting someone him, videotaping it, and zooming it from in. their phone, and then zooming in on his and face. I, I, dun, 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 I, like, I, I hate to tell Will about this. He, he, part of his quote was, no one's going to be running out there to grab Lane Kiffin and have wrong. them represent your logo. Um, if you start listing college coaches, we had a topic on Outkick the Tailgate this past week. After Saban and Dabo, who do you hire? Who's the third hire if there's free agent quote coaching? Kiffin is very high on that list because there are no massive just break the bank hires anymore. They're just, I mean, I mentioned on the show, Chad, Ryan Day, was that a blockbuster hire at Ohio State? That's Ohio State's gig, and he inherited that job because he was there with Meyer. So if USC is going to make a splash, what is a splash anymore? The splash would be Kiffin. Matt Campbell is, you know, the hot name. I mean, I I could go through a list of other, you know, Lincoln Riley. Sure. I would say would be one. But, I mean, they're all at big-time jobs. But that's the key. I mean, he's talking about you don't hire that guy to, to represent your brand. What brand? I mean, there are very few brands. Uh, Notre Dame? I mean, I'm trying to think of the brand that wouldn't associate with Lane Kiffin and all the yeah, and evil of Lane Kiffin. Exactly. There are very few that wouldn't because he's a great football coach. I mean, if you win and you're a good coach and you get your players to play hard for you and you can recruit good players, yeah. I, I think Hugh Freeze get, is going to reemerge. I think people get too caught up in the, right. the, the brand part of it. Maybe this is the Northwestern and Michael Wilbon coming out and their association with I Pat guess. Fitzgerald and the representation of the brand and how perfect he is as a Northwestern player. But, I mean, the brand in major college football should be winning. And if your coach can win, I want that coach well, representing my brand. And the other thing so I'd too, want Lane Kiffin. The, uh, yes, and that, that's what I'm getting to. He, he mentioned that everybody that Kiffin leaves – uh, leaves embarrassed uh, that they hired Lane Kiffin. I'm here to tell you, Tennessee would have him back in a heartbeat. Tennessee fans would love to have Lane Kiffin. But at the end, it was embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, but there's no denying yeah, that. Yeah, but guess who would want Lane Kiffin back? Balls fans. Yeah, sure. but th- let's also, like I said, they would want him back now because they, they wouldn't have want him back when he, he got, yeah, when he got fired at USC. After he left. They would have wanted him back at, at, after Alabama, after the Nick Saban rehab program started. That's where they would have started wanting him. But back. it has nothing to do with him that they messed it up. What three times after he left? Well, no, but but no. My point is, it, there uh, there's one good example of a team that would have him back, and there are multiple that would hire him now if he's available. Well, again, don't disagree. What fans want and what administrations want are different. I don't think Tennessee administration would be rushing to do that. You're right. Tennessee fans would want that, but again, it goes back to can you be a successful coach and Kiffin. Ever since USC failed with the Raiders, failed with the Vols, failed with USC, once he got it going, he is an attractive coach because he wins. This is a little and bit. He puts up a lot of points while he does it. This is a little bit Wilbon having the Ryan Tannehill effect, right? You make your initial opinion. I talked to Ladanian Tomlinson about this. People made their initial judgment of Ryan Tannehill in Miami. They don't want to change their opinion. It's confirmation. They don't wise. want to change their mind. And Wilbon hasn't changed his Lane mind. Lane Kiffin will go and lose by Lane four Kiffin. touchdowns this weekend, and Wilbon will be Told you so. There you go. Told you. The embarrassment has started, and we'll all say, it's Alabama. Yeah. I mean, that we knew that was a possibility. Coming up, we'll get into why it's Alabama, just how dominant they've been, and really why Ole Miss is a bright spot on the schedule this week, especially after what we saw with Florida, Florida and Bama. What that tells us, and with a week off, what can Ole Miss do 
to win and beat Bama on Saturday. That's where we'll be for Outkick the Tailgate. Clay Travis will be there on Saturday. He'll be here in studio with us. First time Clay's come to check out the new studio uh, other than what's been under construction. So he'll be here with us around 415 Central, 515 Eastern. Kicking me out of my seat, I heard. Well, that's because we don't have the the extra mic today. No, I wanted to play it up. you I'll can yell say, off camera the whole yeah, time. But, I will. I'll um, get a yell from him. We can share mics mic. or, you know, we'll figure something out. We'll, uh, Clay will be here at 415 on the show. Uh, also, primary complaint is coming up in 30 minutes. We've already been talking about the primary complaint today. David Reed has well, primary complaint oh, today. Oh, that's perfect. It's always good when he's so we are David Reed, by the way, we have a camera shot of him. We will show that to you. His new setup when we come back. The big okay, look, there it is. Oh, there it is. Look, he looks uh, like he's Reed's playing. The, he's crazy Kyle. Yeah. My favorite guy in town. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not go that far. <laughs> Your I'm, boy. Well, I'm also glad we took the camera shot early so that we can show that Ellie is awake during the show <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Give it an hour. She is not asleep yet. Not Give it asleep an hour. yet. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. We talk Bama Ole Miss. Some moves around the NFL, including an old veteran who is back with the reigning Super Bowl champs. And a fat, lazy guy reemerges. And, oh, that's right. And uh, speaking of uh, Titans slash former Titans, current Titans, uh, just confusion around injury, tightness, the lack of an injury report with Julio Jones, and much more. That is all straight ahead. But first, David Reed, you just saw him. You can see how beautiful he is. And that's all due to Toyo's Clinic. Yeah, Paul mentions a fat, lazy guy returns, and here I am Not on you. camera once Not again. You. Yeah, I know how that goes. But, hey, if you're looking in the mirror and you don't like what you see, it's 2021. You do not have to deal with hair loss anymore. And we're, when what we're talking about is Toyos Clinic and their hair restoration process. It's called Smart Graph. It is not an old-fashioned restoration process where they take a huge strip out of the back of your hair. You have no linear scar. There is very minimal downtime from this. All it takes is one afternoon in the office, and you can have a full head of hair growing back on your head once again. It's natural looking. It's it's just as simple as making one easy phone call, and that phone call is 888-315-3937. That's 888-315-3937. One call can make all of your hair loss troubles go away. Do not let hair loss troubles hold you back anymore. Call 888-315-3937 to schedule your hair restoration consultation today with Toyo's Clinic and tell them Outkick sent you and you can receive 10% off. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Now, keep in mind, this plays right into what Kiffin has been preaching over their bye week. He had Matt Corral on national TV say absolutely nothing about Alabama or the next opponent. Like, he, they... They were more fo- the the phrase was we're mo- more focused on what we can't control than what Alabama is doing to prepare for us. They want to give nothing as far as bulletin board material to the Crimson Tide, and Kiffin has done the same. It is nothing but love and love, 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 love for love. what Saban and, and Alabama have done. And look, it's hard to be critical of anything they're doing. I mean, there's a great chance they could get smashed on Saturday night, but um, this plays into it because he's now flipping it back to Bama. By saying, yeah, they're, they're favored for a reason because they're going to beat us on Saturday and we're the road team. They're the number one team in the country. I mean, this is exactly how he should respond if he's trying to send that message to his team. There's a great piece up right now from Andy Staples at The Athletic on Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin's relationship and how Lane Kiffin found his version of himself as a play caller and a quarterback, the way he plays, and how Lane Kiffin has outwardly said, Ole Miss fans, don't get used to this. 
Some of the throws this guy makes, you go back and watch one of the throws he made against Louisville that's Aaron Rodgers-like on that final drive that not many college guys are going to make. I mean, Lane Kiffin said, you're not going to see many people on Sunday make some of these throws. But the way he plays, Matt Corral was a guy who grew up playing defensive end and running back and was bummed out in high school when he got moved to quarterback because he has a killer's mentality. He wants to hit people. He wants to go for the kill. He wants to throw the deep ball. He wants to make people hurt. And this is how Lane Kiffin calls plays. They said when they started watching Matt Corral play, it's amazing when you look back at Lane Kiffin's career and how he attacks play calling. It's like he's found the quarterback version of himself as a play caller. You hear all that, and you still say, great, it's Alabama. And they put up gobs of yards and gobs of points a a year ago and still lost by two scores at home. So is it going to be any different this year? I think so, because Ole Miss's defense, I think, is a lot better than a year ago. But I, I still... It's 14 points right now, the spread. Opened at 21. I think Bama's winning by more than 14. Have we ever heard of a kid being uh, upset at being moved to quarterback? Well, it's funny because the story, again, in Staples' story goes that he uh, just threw the ball back to his coach in junior high or whenever it was, and he threw a rocket back to him. He said, throw me another one. And he threw it again, and it was another rocket. He said, okay, we're moving you to quarterback. And he was bummed out because he grew up as a kid playing defensive end, going after the quarterback and he was a running back and didn't want to play quarterback. Unheard of. I didn't, didn't like because he wanted to be physical. He liked hitting people, so he well, didn't like not hitting people. In high school, we, nobody really wanted to play quarterback in a wing tee. That's true. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> in the, I mean, it depends what you're running. Yeah. But in this day and age, virtually yeah, Now, Grant, I don't know what his North Los Angeles, you know, junior yeah, high and, and high school not, team, whatever running uh, back then. They the clearly threw the football whenever he became the quarterback, but I'm, I'm saying if he's on a team that – is running something else at the time. Maybe you, you don't want to be in a run-based offense. Something else I learned in this story. Or you hate the coach. <laughs> um, you know, Matt Corral's at Ole Miss. He went there for Matt Luke at Ole Miss. And immediately I'm thinking, how does Matt Corral from L.A., a four borderline five-star quarterback, end up playing for Matt Luke at Ole Miss? It's because it was a high-profile fight he got into in high school with Wayne Gretzky's son. He was at De La Salle or one of these prep schools. I call him Paulina Gretzky's sister. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Brother. Excuse me. Brother, yes. Tristan Gretzky, who is Wayne Gretzky's son, they got into a fight <laughs> that was covered by TMZ at the time, and he, ha- he got expelled, had to leave the high school because him beating up Wayne Gretzky's son ended up at Long Beach Poly, and then he was going to be at USC, but there was some USC tie-in with the Gretzky family, so USC wasn't an option. He goes to Ole Miss at that point. Matt Luke honored the scholarship. He ends up at Ole Miss. Matt Luke gets fired. Lane Kiffin comes in, and it's just this ultimate gift to Lane Kiffin, wow. who recruited Matt Corral a little bit in middle school when he was a USC's coach You still would have thought Angeles. that there was a different plan B. Like, okay, USC didn't work out. The plan B being U, uh, Ole Miss is, is a little weird. Right. Well, look, Ole Miss isn't weird if Lane Kiffin's the coach. No, no, no. For no, Matt no. Corral. But uh, Matt Luke, yeah, going weird. to play for Matt Luke there was a little odd. Anyway, I found that an interesting backstory on, on Matt Corral getting to, uh, getting to Ole Miss. Look, Ole Miss's defense is improved. We're about to find out how improved. Because Tulane can put up some points, yes. Louisville, they're, I guess, top-end okay. As an ACC team? They needed three stops last year and couldn't get it. 
Well, it's weird that now it's we're a 21-point spread that turned into a 14-point spread, but there seems to be a feeling like, hey, uh, you know, 14-point spread, but they maybe could spring the upset. Well, in most games where there's a maybe could spring the upset, it's not a two-touchdown spread. This is also a matchup where Lane Kiffin thrives. He knows Nick Saban. He knows every tendency. He knows that defense. Well, he's he had a showed week. it a year ago. He's had a week to prepare, and he's had a week to analyze what Florida did. And this is on purpose, that week leading yeah. up to the Alabama game. I mean, that, I'm expecting Ole Miss to put up some, some big-time numbers in this game. What I just think Alabama know. will do the same thing. Oh, they're scoring 30 or more. They've scored 30 or more since the start of the 2019 season. I mean, they're putting up points. Ole Miss can match them. Question is, can they defend? can they get some stops right? And and this is one of those situations where certain matchups make Alabama vulnerable. And Chad, Paul, we've seen over the years the key with that is the dual threat quarterback. And now it's can Corral do it again on the road, national TV at night, right? Like the, every all eyes on Corral and his Heisman chase. And this is the, his, his opportunity. Florida put the blueprint out there. Can Corral capitalize? Well, and Corral is a good runner. I mean, he's not Emory Jones, so I think that element's going to have to be a little bit different how they attack uh, Alabama, the, it, unlike the way Florida attacked them. But you're right, the blueprint is there to give them a game. And honestly, the blueprint was there a year ago with what Matt Corral and Ole Miss did against Alabama offensively. Now, they returned a lot of starters from that team, but it's there for them. Steve Clarkson, the quarterback guru that's worked with Matt Corral, had this to say about him. The biggest compliment I can give any player, especially a quarterback, is he's not afraid to lose. I can't tell you how great a quality it is. He is saying, if I'm going to lose, it's because I'm trying to win. I'm not going into any game afraid. Is that not Lane Kiffin? Yeah, that's Kiffin. Is that not his mantra? Because Lane Kiffin is such a laid-back dude. He calls the play But he doesn't, you know, you would watch, you see certain coaches, and it physically hurts them. When things go bad, Butch Jones comes to mind, overly emotional. Jeremy Pruitt, while he was at Tennessee also, another guy, too emotional. You could tell it meant almost too much to them to where they couldn't just roll the dice and be okay with whatever happened. Lane Kiffin is so laid back, and probably annoyingly so when his teams start to lose a little bit, that he is never afraid to lose. Losing's not in his mind when he goes into a game. It's all about fun. It's all about playing to win, and that lines up perfectly with Matt Corral's attitude. Since 2009, the season Saban got it going and they won their first championship, Alabama has 155 wins. Second most, by the way, is Clemson. That's no surprise. Like, Clemson would be the guess, but the it, it's crazy how far behind they are to Alabama in wins despite them being the obvious guest. There's 17 wins behind Alabama in that same span, and they play in the ACC. 15 losses, 155 and 15 since 2009. The second fewest in losses is Ohio State with 22. That's the dominance of Alabama. Since that time frame, they've averaged 39.2 points per game and 6.8 yards per play since, 20, uh, since 2009. I mean, that, the consistency with the turnover of college football and the coaches that they turn over, that is insane when you look at it on paper. Well, it's, it's the greatest program of all time in their greatest dynasty of all time, in their greatest single dynasty happening right now. And those are the numbers that it leads to. And the, the, you're right, the difficult part is 
you have that turnover because everyone's hiring your assistants if you're Nick Saban having all that success. We see Ed Ogeron struggling after he had that great combination with Joe Brady as offensive coordinator to replicate that. The defensive coordinator situation with Dave Aranda, he leaves. Right. Joe Brady leaves. They bring in Bo Pelini, doesn't work. Offensive coordinator. That's what Saban's been able to do. He's also been able to admit a mistake quickly if he has one, which they've been few and far between. But here's the beauty if you're Alabama. Not every program is going to attract Bill O'Brien as your offensive coordinator and Doug Marone as your offensive line coach. They've got two guys who were head coaches in the AFC South on the same offensive staff. Willing to be No the other program in America, no other right. coach in America demands that respect and will have those guys go be an assistant for them. Position coach. Because they know, I'm just going to propel my, my career forward with this move. I can do this for a couple of years, stay if I want. If not, Not just propel forward, but the, think about Bill O'Brien and where he's been and with that mindset of, I will propel forward by st- taking a stop in Tuscaloosa. He went from offensive coordinator of the Patriots to Penn State as the head coach to Houston as the head coach in the NFL and is now the coordinator in Tuscaloosa for Bama. Paul. Being a coordinator, any other program in the country would be like a huge come down. And, and, and it's almost just like, oh, of course. You know, with Alabama, it's just, oh, of course, that's, well, that's the point. obvious step. 39.2 points per game since 2009. 6.8, it's really 6.9 yards per play. That's first since 2009 of any team. But here's where you really dive into the efficiency of Alabama. I looked up the plays, where they rank in offensive plays since 2009. They rank 102 in the country. That means their efficiency is so much greater than the average college offense. They're not running nearly as many plays as the rest of the the SEC. And this is where it gets even more dominant. They've allowed on average 14.2 points per game since that first championship. Just absolute dominant inside inside and out. You know, people will always say, well, the sport is better when – Name the team, the Yankees, the Cowboys, the Steelers. The Dodgers. Alabama. The, yeah. The Lakers. The Giants. When those the teams Jets, are good. The Steelers. Yeah. That's true, but I don't think the sport's at its best when they're this good. No. <laughs> this, well, is, this is a well, new level on. of good that we've seen in Alabama. It's fun again, though, because – like Well, we I, think. I, we well, think that the Florida, Florida opened the door for this to be fun again. Let's see what happens, though, on Saturday, because if Bama goes back and there was some blows relief. the doors off of Ole Miss, we're Which probably going to go right back to saying, okay – Let's, let's hang around until Georgia and Bama play in December, and then we'll see a good game among elite teams again. I mean, this is, this is the perfect description of how elite Alabama is. They beat Florida on the road. They won that game, and that game was treated as a loss with how they played, how, really how Florida played them. Yeah, it's treated that, like a Florida win. Yeah, and, and, and that goes back to it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. Well, it's the ultimate compliment to Nick oh, Saban no doubt. and Alabama. No doubt. But my, is. My, my point the is with there football. is hope now as you watch Florida, who is second in the East to Georgia, face the top team in the country and compete. That, that, like, that you feel like, okay, there's a, there's a bar that's set and maybe it's reachable, maybe it's attainable. And now we get to see if, if Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss can pull that off. But so if Florida – Florida-Bama play that game 10 times. Paul, Paul stirring his drink, by the way. It's just an excellent time. visual. I love that as you're talking. He's got some moonshine. He's got a concoction over here. If they play 10 times, Shake how, how often is it? Is it that game? And how many do Florida win? I mean, I don't know. I want to see more of Florida. More uh, I, I think Florida's pretty legit. right now, Florida wins eight. once. 
Yeah, eight or nine wins for Bama. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably and probably win. five of them are substantial. But I will also say I think, I think so. most of them are close from what I've seen from Bama and Florida. I don't think it's a blowout. You know, I think Bama wins seven or eight or maybe nine of them, but I think a lot of them are close games, uh, especially given that Florida was getting blown out early in that game and came back 21-3, to and then they really clamped down on Alabama from that point on. Uh, Jay Carey on the YouTube feed says, I think Lane Kiffin upset Saban at some point and will become the first assistant coach of his to beat him, and it's going to drive Saban insane if that's the case. I mean, how miraculous is that, that all of his assistants, not one of them is has beaten him? Kirby Smart had the best chance in that national championship game with the lead with Georgia, where ESPN's Alabama won an overtime. This week. They're, they're getting with a lot of his former coaches and assistants across the Belichick. country. And I, I'm, I'm with Jay Carey on that. If I had to bet on one assistant doing it, it's Lane Kiffin for all the reasons that we've said. He's going to um, be the one to pull the upset. So Bama is 81-5 and five since the start of the 2015 season. Here's a list of the last uh, group of teams to beat Bama since the start of the 2015 season. I can name one of them. Clemson. Clemson beat them in 16. Ole Miss beat them in 2015. And after that, they did not lose until Clemson in the 2016 title game. There were 26 straight wins in that span. Clemson beat them in the 16 title game. Auburn in 2017. Clemson beat them again in 2018. And then LSU with Burrow in 2019. And then Auburn in 2019 when they could get stops and they threw that 100-yard pick six and then missed the field goal at the end. They have not lost since then, by the way. 18 in a row right now. Remember how crazy it was when that Joe Burrow LSU team was beating Bama badly. I know Alabama came back in that game. Yeah. But there was a point where I'm thinking, they may just house Bama. And it was so strange to watch, to see that unfold, where not only was Bama losing, they were losing convincingly. And that's, I mean, that's, it's, also, it's crazy the amount of success he's had. Also, Bama's al- always had a dominance, Paul, in the NFL. Like, recent, recent dominance. Yeah. But it's even more apparent on a weekly basis now. Like, on these primetime games, they're, they're Two of the three Monday night football games, there have been a big play where in every facet of the play, an Alabama player was a part of it. There's somebody everywhere. And Saban told the Mannings, he's got, what, 79, 78 players, either on rosters or on a practice squad across the league. Yeah. And he doesn't have, of course, any time to watch a second of them, but he gets a report. Well, he probably doesn't. (laughs) I mean, that's just Saban. I believe him when he says I show up at noon on Sunday and I leave at 10 p.m. So I'm not watching a second of any of the games uh, on Sunday. He's probably telling the truth when he says that. We will continue to talk SEC football. Uh, two of the biggest games in the country involve, well, and, and the conference. Three teams from the West of the four teams participating this week. We'll discuss what that means for the SEC in general and the East in general. How competitive is the East overall? It's not as competitive as the West. Or is it based on the top spot? We'll, we'll discuss all that later in today's show. Clay will be with us today at 4.15. When we come back, though, primary complaint. And, uh, guys, you agree. It's kind of juiced for complaint today based on the buzz pre-show. There's a definite buzz going on. It's not just from whatever Paul's mixing over there. To drink. Oh, there is that's a boost the, over here, too. Uh, that's not the buzz. And Dennis Reed wants in. When Dennis Reed wants in, old Denny Reed, 
You know what's up. <laughs> We're making the call to the bullpen, and it's not for Will Smith. That's right. It's for David Reed. So you know it's going to be successful. We had sorted not out the order oh, no, sorry, of the complaints. Sorry, Will Smith, the lefty. I'm going this we way. We sorted out the order of the complaints, and then Denny said he wanted it in. So we have to shuffle the deck again, and we'll be doing that during this pause. Reed declares whenever he wants to go. It's like Freeman Octave. He wants, uh, if he wants to be on, he's on whenever he wants to be on. Uh, and if you want to be off the internet, or at least have everyone believe you're off the internet, expressvpn.com is the website to go to. Perfect time. It's like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. You think your stuff is kept private, but you, you never know what the people are going through, right, without the lock. Expressvpn.com is the website. When you go online without a VPN, Internet service providers, those ISPs, can see every single website you visit, which means ad companies can target you even though you think they're not watching you. And it doesn't matter if you get your internet from Verizon, Comcast. doesn't matter. ISPs in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies all over the place. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit ExpressVPN available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you to not be using it. And they've got a great offer right now. So secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash outkick360 today. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash outkick360. And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash Outkick360. It is that time of the week. It is time for Primary Complaint. A, a brief reminder that a lot of the voting media and all of these polls, the AP Top 25, the Heisman votes, they go with groupthink and they make it easy on themselves by just rinse and repeating Whatever happened the previous week, if Memphis, for example, they're the example for me this week, they won on a, uh, just a fluke play against Mississippi State. It counts, even though the SEC says it was not officiated properly. They then turn around and lose to Texas San Antonio, but yet Memphis received three AP Top 25 votes this week after those back-to-back results where the media has to look at it and think Memphis isn't as good as what we saw against Mississippi State, and they just lost to unranked San Antonio, who did not receive a single vote for the top 25. This will go for the Heisman voting later this year as well. Well, you'll have some people in the Midwest, uh, even right here in the South, that will just pick up the newspaper and look at the final standings and think to themselves, oh, everybody's voting for Bryce Young, or everybody's voting for Corral, so I'm just going to put his name down too. I, I'm tired of the groupthink, especially with the voting media in college football and specifically college sports in general. That's my primary complaint. A lot of groupthink out there, and what I'm going to complain about is in line with that as well. My primary complaint is when a place of business is arguing convenience for the customer, but it Really what it is is laziness for the employer and the business. Give you a classic example. We are coming back from Outkick the Tailgate in Gainesville, drive up to Jacksonville, the airport, need something to eat. We go to the Chili's at the Jacksonville airport. We get to the Chili's, and while there are servers walking through the restaurant doing things that you know servers do, bringing food out, asking if you need ketchup, asking if you need anything. Well, no, none of that's happening. You know why? They make you do everything on your phone. Not just the menu that's now in vogue, 
no physical menus. You order on the phone. When there's problems ordering on the phone, they look at you like you're stupid and say, well, what's the issue? And then, claiming some sort of COVID fear, they offer to touch your phone and fix it for you if there's a problem. And they say, well, th- we found this is more convenient. There's an old line about urination on a leg and claiming rain. Don't do that to me. We're smarter than that. This is only convenient for one side of this transaction, and it's not mine. I would prefer to look at a menu, look you in the eye, order, you bring me the food, I tip you well, and I go about my day and get on my flight. Me doing it all on my own, you disappearing for the entire meal only to come back and look at people like they're dumb is convenient for only you, and it's lazy. So I'll say the adage now, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. That's my primary complaint. David Reed, you have the floor. So it's only fitting that when I return to primary complaint, it's going to be a food-related complaint. There's been a lot of them in the past. This one involves pizza. Um, (laughs) And I've only really just come around on Chicago-style pizza. And my primary complaint about Chicago-style pizza in the past was you called it pizza. It's it's like a casserole. (laughs) That's the only thing. I love it. Gino's is right. It's a short scooter ride. Over, I'm not walking there. It's just a short scooter <laughs> ride over there for me. And I'll sit at Gino's all day and eat some Chicago-style pizza. But I'm talking to my other pizza lovers out there right now. What I, I'm, I'm reaching out to you. I need you to put your hand on my hand. And let's all agree, Detroit-style pizza is not a thing. Anyone who puts pizza sauce on top of a pizza is a sociopath. <laughs> Detroit-style pizza. That's my primary complaint. By the way, uh, when we're on Reed, we now get to see two people behind him trying to walk in the wrong entrance yep. that we see all the time. So for once, we can say, they now they away. walked away. But I saw the guy stop and say, we can go in right here. And I'm thinking, nope, no, you can't. You also got a glimpse at Ellie, our production assistant in the background uh, of that shot. That was great. And Reed's right. The, the, when you start coming up with different cities, if it's not New York or Chicago, I, I'm not going with everyone really jumping on this whole thing. I kind of like it. My primary complaint, <laughs> sociopaths. My primary complaint, Lyle Collins, yes. Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman, who's been suspended five games. Why? Because he tried to bribe the person who takes the drug tests. He missed seven drug tests. Now he had a, an excuse for a couple of them. The strength coach in Dallas died one time. It's a terrible day for him and the organization. His uncle's funeral valid was excuse. one of those days. You know, some valid excuses. Those are two excuses. There were seven mm-hmm. tests. Correct. <laughs> Initially, he got suspended five days. The NFLPA, which represents him and the, and the players and union, negotiated that down to two games. What did he do? He appealed it. <laughs> he appealed the two-game suspension. You know what the uh, officer who hears the appeals did? He said, no, no, I, I, don't, uh, I don't uphold your appeal. I'm taking it back to five games. Uh, five games, the arbiter decided. I think five games is insufficient. I think if you try to bribe the person who is taking the drug test, you should be suspended for (laughs) double the time. I think you should be suspended for a season. I think this is a major violation that was totally undersold when Adam Schefter wrote this story for ESPN.com. Peter Schaefer, his agent, is refusing to admit that this case is closed, and he's trying to appeal it again. This thing's over. You got off scot-free at five games. You should be out 10 or 15 or 20. Shut up and go away. Not to mention, didn't, didn't he have issues in the draft that dropped him all the way to Dallas to begin with? 
Yeah. I mean, oh, there, there were yeah multiple right? issues. There was a domestic violence issue. Uh, coming up, we get into Richard Sherman. Uh, speaking of issues this offseason, he's now with Tampa Bay. He has joined the Bucks, And Brady and the Bucks go on the road to Foxborough this week. We'll lead with that next on OutKick 360.